The Spin-Off Podcast Network. NAIR is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air. No mai, haere mai, whakatau mai rā, he kōna i pūrangi tēnei i pāna ki te ao Māori me te ao hurihuri. I'm Leonie Hayden, this is a podcast about being Māori in the modern world. Welcome to NAIR. First episode is about te reo Māori. Now, I have to stress this isn't a podcast series about te reo Māori. There are already some incredible language podcasts out there, but we decided to start here because it's a kaupapa that is so central to who we are as Māori, both in positive ways and sometimes in pauri ways, in ways that make us sad. There's been a lot of discussion in recent months about who should and shouldn't have access to our language, and I played a, a little bit of a part there by writing a feature story for the spin-off on Lord's Te Reo mini-album Dao Marama. Now, I hated that it made people feel pauri and whakama. And I also hated that the Matanga Reo, the language champions and experts that helped make that album, were treated really disrespectfully. And honestly, I find it to be an almost unsolvable puzzle. Like, I want non-Māori to understand our language and stop being hysterical jerks when it's used publicly. I don't want non-Māori taking places in te reo classes at the exclusion of Māori. I do want young Māori to grow up in a world where they're never embarrassed to use te reo and it's normalised in every aspect of their lives, which has to include pop culture. I don't want Māori artists to continue to be paid less than their peers and have their waiata Māori ignored, but a non-Māori artist is dubbed brave and celebrated for using it. And so, you know, the layers continue on through our whakapapa, depending on where or how the language was robbed from your whānau, hapu, iwi, or if you were lucky enough to grow up in it. Those experiences create quite different feelings about the deal. And yes, the best way to heal is to move forward and use all the resources at your disposal to change things for you and the future of your whānau. But not everyone has the privilege of time, and not having that adds to the layers of guilt we carry, and so that cycle we were forced into by the settler state is perpetuated again and again. And the worst thing is, it turned us against each other, which to me is another win for colonization, you know. Um, I wrote in a piece for the spin-off a couple of years ago, when I was feeling a bit sad about my real journey. I wrote, my grandparents were beaten for speaking te reo and I have taken that patu and beaten myself over and over again for my inadequacy. What a legacy, what a gift for colonization, hand them the switch and they'll beat their own backs. But like it, it do be like that. We are so hard on ourselves and then we take that and we're hard on each other. 
One thing I think that doesn't help with the shame some of us feel is this idea that having language is binary, you're either fluent or you're not. So it always seems like no matter how much of the language you have, you're not there yet because someone else can always speak more or better than you. And people who don't have much to do think that I'm a fluent speaker if I, you know, just do a basic mihi mihi and I'm not, I'm not even close. And then I think anyone else that can have a conversation for longer than five minutes is fluent. Like, are they? I mean, it depends on the conversation. They're asking each other about getting ready for school, then, you know, that's really basic. If they're discussing complex feelings or ideas, and that requires a pretty vast vocabulary. But I would hear either and think, oh, you're fluent. Oh, shame, I'm not. And I think it's something that we as like quite a stubbornly monolingual country really needs to disabuse ourselves of. You know, most Europeans speak multiple languages. All of our migrant communities in Aotearoa do. Language is more of a spectrum and you progress along that spectrum with use. If you have even the smallest amount, you're on that spectrum, I guess. Um, and at least for me, that's a concept that actually makes me feel better about trying and failing, you know, you can fix language that is broken, but you can't fix it if it's never spoken. So my co-hosts and I, whom you'll meet in just a moment, are on different parts of that spectrum, different parts of that journey. We're going to have a corridor about that as a way of introducing ourselves. One of us speaks at a very advanced level and two of us don't. I'm obviously one of those. And even as these words are coming out of my mouth, I feel whakama for even leading this podcast when there's a more advanced real speaker than me on the team. So what's the tikanga? Well, stick around and maybe we'll find out. It really is my greatest pleasure to introduce my friends and my co-pilots on this kaupapa Miriana Johnson, nor Ngaitahu Merangitane, is an award-winning journalist and broadcaster whose voice many of you will recognise from her incredible work at RNZ, where she was a major component in helping to reframe the Māori news for the state broadcaster. It's not an easy, it's not easy to pull a waka of that size around with its massive, predominantly Pākehā audience, but her work covering Issues like Ihumatao and Oranga Tamariki brought a long absent Māori lens to current affairs in the mainstream, and I think she's been absolutely instrumental in moving the dial there. Also joining us on this hidinga is Te Kuru o Te Marama Dews, no Ngāti Purau me Ngāti Rangitihi. He's a multimedia content creator who can do all the things. He films, he edits, he hosts, he narrates, he writes, he translates. The Kuru is currently the director of Matahi Media, but before that was a journalist with Māori Television for five years. His real videos and astute lens on social issues on Instagram have also earned him a huge following, so go over there, give him a like, and learn a thing. How exciting. Nice. Our first podcast. Um, <laughs> super excited to be part of this project. Um, you said all the nice things, so I don't have any really much more to add. Um, yeah, I was at RNZ for um, getting close to four years. It was definitely a good solid three, which was amazing. Would news journalism with all of its uh, radu, you know, it's a difficult, hard job, but 
you get access to the most amazing people and you get to be a part of the most amazing events like Ihumata, life-changing. Mm. And you, know? you guys had an awesome team over there as well. We had such a cool team. Shout out Taniwa, Mani, miss you guys. Um, they've got Motani in the team now, so awesome. we're going about that now. <laughs> <laughs> we had all wahine hard for a while. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, um, powerhouse team and just love being part of a group of driven, passionate wahine who just, you know, want to want to improve how the mainstream tell our stories and also yes. take back our rangatiratanga to tell our own stories because, you know, I mean, I don't need to tell you guys, like that's been just like sadly so absent from the mainstream for so long, just us telling our own stories. Right. It should have been you, but it is still. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Kia ora te kuru. Welcome. Kia ora. Tēnā kōrua. Tēnā tātou. Kia ora hoa. Kia mm. welcome to the team, welcome to the near posse. Yeah, thanks for that amazing intro. Uh, Got to live up to all that now, but <laughs> no, really, no ku te wai mari e kua whai wahi atu ki tēnei pae kōrero, hei whakatina nā i te, te ira tāne i tēnei o ngā, <laughs> ngā rōpū, <laughs> ngā engari mihi ana ki a kōrua. Uh, I a kōrua mahi, i te ao papāho, tātou e, e whakapono kaha nei ki ngā hua ka puta, uh, ki te whakapuaki ngā whakaaro uh, o te ao Māori. So, yeah, really happy to be here and uh, looking forward to getting into some uh, some good kōrero. Um So we're going to be sort of changing up what combination of the three of us appears on this podcast over its lifetime. Sometimes you'll get all three of us, sometimes you'll get two of us. You might even only get one of us if the other two are feeling lazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we are all on this waka together. Um, but we are, as I sort of mentioned at the top of the podcast, we are at quite different stages on our real journey. Takura, you are obviously our expert. And then, Mariana, where are, where are you at? Oh, it's so funny because for a while there I was doing it uh, in a very linear way. You know, I was going through the different taumata at uh, Te Whariwanang or Aotearoa. Um, but last year I started Opekitanga, um, Taumata Ono, which, yeah, it just, I mean, it was also the year that COVID kicked off um, and I just didn't feel, I felt like I was getting to a point in my real hiding where I wanted to give it my all and I couldn't do that when I was doing part-time classes. So, yeah, I should probably rewind a little bit. Um, I won't take you through my whole life story, but um, <laughs> footnotes. I didn't grow up with um, my real. I was thinking about this um, last night, how I was always real shame when I was growing up because mum would use random Māori words and I'd always get real like fucker ma like we'd be in the supermarket and mum would be quite loudly. <laughs> I think that I think that why is hapu. I was like, Mum, why do you do that? Why are you using random Māori words? <laughs> but it's cool, like she was using what she knew and I was just being, you know, a too cool kid. Um but yeah, it wasn't until wasn't until actually my last year at uni of my undergrad, I thought, man, you know, I should just like do a paper, you know, like break through this. I don't know. I felt like it wasn't mine. Like I wasn't Maori enough to have the real, like I didn't feel like there was my place to take up a seat to learn, which is obviously silly now, but you know, that's where I was at. Um, took a paper, loved it, 
Um, and then a year later I was like, oh, I'm going to um, start doing te reo part-time at Te Whare Wānanga Aotearoa. So I don't know where I would describe where I'm at now. Like I can converse, um, but like it's still pretty pretty basic. Um, I'm pretty rusty because I haven't been using it regularly. Mm. But um, Aotearoa, fingers crossed, I'm going to be doing hekiru at um, Te Wānanga o Raukawa. So full immersion for a year. Man. Which has been a moi moi of mine for for ever since I started this hiding um, five years ago. So super excited, love it. And Takura, you a straight kohanga reo kura kaupapa kid, ne? No, yeah, not that. That's like a straightforward pathway, but yeah, oh, no, very lucky to be um, to have uh, been brought up in the movement. Fano is pretty staunch in the movement, so. It's like, uh, you know, it's not like you have a choice as a four-year-old. No. Mm. But we loved it. I loved Kohanga. And, um, you know, some of my mates from from Kohanga and Kura, you know, keep in touch today, quite a few of us. Um, some of us are all in Māori media as well. So, yeah, it's all, I think I was just thinking, listening to Miriana and, and Tenako your kōrero e ho. Um, awesome to hear that you're on that journey. And going to Raukawa, my whanaunga up there in Ōtaki, They'll be happy to have you. Uh, it's it's when I think about my own real journey. I was just thinking about uni as you were talking about papers and things like that. And Tereo is probably I've done a lot of things in my in my time, and it's probably the only thing I've given like a hundred percent to. I can hand on heart say that it's my the thing I'm most passionate about. And um, probably from a young age, I've always put in a little bit extra uh, for Tereo, uh, and that's what's put me down the path that I'm on and you know I've, I've been interested in other things but for some reason it's you know this urgency or of, of responsibility and trying to sustain it it's always kind of been in my mind as oh well that's the main thing I'm doing and everything mm. else is, <laughs> is just trying to help me get there kind of thing so yeah I love Tereo I love the way that it articulates our whakaaro in a way well in the way that's you know natural to me um, I wish I had learned other languages as a as a young fellow, I tried, our kura was pretty um, big on Spanish because one of our our, woman, our girls, our women's uh, hockey team, my sister's team, were very much older. They went to Argentina. So there was this big uh, period where they learned Spanish and mum went with them and, you know, they're all speaking Spanish and stuff like that. Um, but that didn't stick with me when I was at high school, unfortunately. But um, <laughs> just how languages opens up is what I'm talking about, how it opens up your perspective to the mm. world. And yeah, there are people out there that can learn, uh, that can speak nine languages. So... Um, it's yeah, it's just really trying to connect to other cultures through language, and I just find that to deal as uh, a constantly evolving journey. And the more I learn, sort of the less I know, kind of thing. But it brings you sort of that um, that deep connection to Aotearoa because Aotearoa is unique to this place. Mm. So yeah, I wouldn't say I'm an expert. I think that's relative. Whatever room you're in. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't throw around that term too much. Hi, that's true. And I sort of talked about that a little bit earlier, that we do tend to think of uh, language, te reo Māori, as a binary, you have it or you don't have it, which I personally think is a really unhelpful way of thinking about it. It's It's ingrained in me. I do kind of feel that way, but I know that it's not helpful to feel that way. Because, as you say, it's all relative and, and it means you're always going to think someone else has it and you don't, no matter how much you have. Um, you wrote your 
thesis on Rio in the Home. Can you tell us a little bit more about like what the thinking behind that is? Well, first of all, I would urge caution before anyone uh, does that much <laughs> academic study. No, you have to be really passionate about it. Yeah, right, masters, eh? Was no, it, it was, twenty to forty thousand words? Yeah, yeah, it was between there. Yeah, because I found it really helpful. You sort of summed it up um, in a quarter that you did for the spin-off, where you said that everything else is just a supplement to speaking in the home. Your classes, your books, your podcasts, whatever—that's all just tools to use in the home with your whanau. Yeah, yeah. Well, and when I started my um, research, which was a long time ago, uh, the quarter was known back then, but it still wasn't quite mainstream, but now it's very much in the mainstream and acknowledged in most essays that will talk about te reo and survival, that it has to be uh, intergenerational language transmission within the home is the most important thing for any kind of endangered language. So that includes Māori, because we are vulnerable on the UNESCO endangered languages list. Um, we are either endangered or vulnerable. It's hard because they're not taking stats anymore in the New Zealand census, but we know that yeah, real really? within the home. Yeah, I think they stopped. Two thousand thirteen was the last time they stopped. Hmm. Uh, Is that because they butchered the census? I'm not going to get too political. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know, uh, it, it might be because it shows with, with, you know the lack of that we're an underserved community. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> lack of funding. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's. In the home is everything else is a little bit, it's extra. Um, although we do want to normalize it, we want to create a future where we can speak to real inside the home, outside the home, you know, at the shops, with the shopkeepers, everywhere, at the movies. I don't know what people do out in the mm. bush. Um, but it has to be at home for us to get there. It has to be in everyone's homes. That's my belief. Mm. Um, and the linguists around the world, that's the view that they share as well. Right? About the three, it needs to be transferred from, you know, from kuia uh, kroa to to matua to mokopuna, so three generations, and then it's secure according to the to the experts. Oh, mm. no pressure. Yeah, hard. <laughs> <laughs> and what do they say? Like, takes one generation to lose a language, but three to get it back, which is exactly what you're saying. So, for so many of us, when that tie has been severed. You know, naively when I started my deal hiding, I thought, oh, yeah, like, you know, I'm going to be Matato one day and then all, you know, that I would have brought deal back to my whānau, but it's so much more than just you as an individual going out and learning the deal. You then have to teach it to your tamariki. They have to speak it. Then they have to teach it to their mokopuna. And you hopefully are alive to see that intergenerational link restored. But it's such a big part of the the bigger picture that, I think when you start out, you often don't consider, which is why I loved your corridor to Kudu. It's like, this is bigger than just you. I mean, it has to start with you, mm. but it also needs to carry on to really bring that ill back to, to what it once was. Well, so after the break, we are going to have a chat with our very first Manuhiri on this podcast. Uh, she is going to talk to us a little bit about her real journey, about sharing the real with others uh, in real life and on social media. So we'll see you after the break. Our very first guest on this podcast is a mama, a musician, a kaya koreo, 
bloody old teacher, and a content creator who makes anti-racist and crack-up content for Instagram. Heuria no whaingaroa, mulefanoa la lovi, whalelatai me vaimoso. Please welcome Jordan Rapana, a.k.a. Jordan with a Y. Kia ora hoa. Kia ora. Kia ora tēnā koutou. Tēnā koutou. Kia um, so you are a kayako and a content creator. Do those things sort of like go hand in hand at all? Um, yeah, I guess so. I I actually got my kayako job after I made a few videos. So I was kind of lucky in that sense um, that I'm not deemed too inappropriate for the workplace. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I think some places are a bit like iffy, but... But I think it it aligns it aligns with um with I think my bigger picture like anti racism um tinoranga tiratanga manamotu hake that kind of stuff so yeah I think it aligns. Mm. Um, and we're about to do start. Were you sort of raised with the deal? No, no. I um, grew mm. up in South Auckland. I lived in Wellington for a little bit. My dad was actually adopted. Uh, he was farmed out. Uh, because my nana was just really young when she had him. Um, my nana's Pakeha, my papa is Māori. I've grown up always knowing them, um, but my dad reconnected with them when he was 22. So we didn't grow up with real, not very connected to uh, our hapu or iwi or marae. Um, so that's all just been a journey, I guess, in my later teen to adult life. Mm. And what like changed for you when did you make that sort of conscious decision to to get on the waka um I I'm really grateful to my dad because when I was in high school everyone was learning French and so I was like yeah I'm gonna learn French he was like nah bub are you French (laughs) no um so he made me learn Maori and I started to learn like very basic te reo Maori in year nine and I ended up really loving it. So I stuck with it throughout high school, kind of left it for a little bit. And it wasn't until I was in university and I was sitting in a paper with Margaret Mutu and I was learning about Tua Iwa Rikard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had no idea that she was uh, my auntie and that um, she was from Whaingaroa. And so seeing and learning about her whawhai, um, and then going, it just like, I think it just spoke to my puku. Awesome. And I think that was maybe 2011, 2012. And so since then, I've just been on a massive journey of firstly reconnecting home and then um, went to a full immersion kura in 2019 just to kickstart the real reclamation journey. So mm. I started off as a tino amateur and now I'm just an older amateur in the real Māori. <laughs> Yeah, it's that, that immersion space is sort of what we're all chasing there. Yeah, that's what you're sort of heading into next year, Mediana. I'm trying oh, to. Cool. I, didn't, I didn't get into the school that I wanted to go to, so I've got to make other plans. Mm, yeah. Um, but really, it really requires a lot of time privilege, near. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I was lucky that I had a lot of time. And actually, me and my husband tried to do it together, but it just wasn't possible for us Uh, we needed someone to um, make money uh, because we got two sons as well so if you do have the time privilege and the money privilege and you can do a year 
100% do it, but it's not the only way to reclaim. Um, and I think I learned that actually this is a lifelong journey. You know, I went in really naive thinking, I'm going to reclaim my reo in a year. And now I'm like, I'm <laughs> I'm in this for the long haul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same, Cuddy. I thought like, I was like, yeah, so in four years, like, yeah. I'll be I'll be mother though. Like, no way. Like, <laughs> I feel like yeah. you. You don't, I mean, like Takuru was saying earlier, like you, the more you learn them, like the less you realize, you know, like exactly. there's just so much more that you can learn and um, just upskill how you corridor as well. Like you can, I mean, you can get to a point where you can carry a corridor, but like you get, you, it's actually about how do I make this really like a Fakaro Māori? Like how do I yeah. put this concept out into the world in a Māori way? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. That's still turning, eh, for me, Fakaro Māori. Mm. That's been the biggest thing I think since establishing basic sentence structures is now uh, turning toward I think Fakaro Maori and and I'm noticing the the small changes and even talking to my son because he goes to Kohanga so the way he thinks is so different to how I think and it's um yeah a real teacher to me. Mm. How important did you feel like doing full immersion was for you? Like how much did that level up your deal? Like do you think you'd be where you're at without doing that going on that hidinger? I think immersion in any sense, whether it's a year or a week or a weekend, whatever, I think immersion accelerates your learning. Anytime that you're able to be immersed in any anything, um, not just a deal, like any learning, will completely accelerate the learning. So it was definitely um, a very fast-paced type of learning for me. And then we quickly implemented that at home, Kōrero um, Māori at home, and with our boys. So it's been the best strategy for me and for my whānau and for the way that we are doing the reclamation journey. Uh, and then I'm aware of other friends who just incorporate kupu Māori, like a new kupu Māori every uh, day or every week that they just consistently use. Mm. Um, but yeah, immersion for me was it and, and still is it. Okay. I'm um, speaking of... Te kupu o te rā. You and your brother made some really crack up content for um, Te Wiki o Te Reo. Yes. Um, <laughs> it was naughty. It was very funny. Um, videos like talking to people about the difference between ure and uri, yep. not to get them mixed up. <laughs> what was the motivation there for making sort of instructive educational type content, but making it a little bit? on the nose. Yeah, I think um cuz those are mistakes that we make all the time. Uh and and both my brother and I we teach the same class, so we already we have good um energy. I think we just wanted to bring the energy that we have in our classes and just kind of spread it to the people. Uh just on common mistakes that we all make just to make it feel I don't know fun. And mm. funny, because I think when people attach good feelings to something important, um, maybe they're more open to wanting to learn or to take something a little bit more seriously. Mm. When it feels judgment-free, eh? Aye. Mm. How do you do that, eh? Why is a kayako? How do you, because correction is a big um, topic these days, being the ability to be corrected or, you know, ha- learning how to correct people on the other side of it, learning how to correct people without... Um, Takahi te mana tangata. So what are your kind of rautaki uh, that you use as a kayak or you and your brother to correct people without sort of um, trampling on their dreams? Yeah. 
Oh yeah. And I, yeah, that's a, it's definitely something that has to be super intentional. So for us as Kayako, we, we don't do the correction for the, for quite a few weeks. Our thing is just kōrero, use whatever kupu you know, however you know to use them. And as we're teaching sentence structures, we just get out, we just find a bunch of different ways for our students to use them. And then eventually, once we're more immersed and more comfortable, once we've built trust relationship, then I'm able to tell them, I, t- I preempt them. So before anything, I just let them know, um, I'm going to give a couple of corrections, but I'll wait till the end so I won't single out a person. I'll just wait till the end till everyone's, you know, said something, because usually they're mistakes that everyone makes. Um, so I try to keep it quite general like that but yeah I think it happens in safe spaces that you have to build um, and in good relationship that we also have to build uh, yeah Kilda. but it is hard it is hard I reckon mm. yeah good question because pronunciation is also um, a big one for I want to say for everyone in, in Aotearoa it's Māori it's Pākehā it's because we've had the wrong way of saying things just ingrained in us, unless you were lucky enough to have grown up in Te Ao Māori, mm. then Rangi Toto lives there yeah. in your brain and you have to kick it every time you go to say it unless yeah. you say it every day correctly. Yeah. What is? Have you got sort of ways of helping people sort of just unlearn that, that terrible meter that's been drilled into us? Um, yeah, repetition. Repetition has always helped I think the more like I will never if I'm talking to someone who is mispronouncing I might not correct them but I'll always say it properly and I will never mm-hmm. so I uh, have lived in Rimuera for a couple years and a lot of people a lot of people do not know that it's called Rimuera and so they're like yeah. where where? And I'm like yeah. oh, <laughs> it's um, by Newmarket Rimuera and it oh Rimuera yeah Rimuera you know, yeah. so I just, yeah. yeah, I just keep saying it properly. Repetition. It's yeah. like the old passive, yeah. the passive correction, eh? It's like, I'm going to correct you. I'm not going to make it obvious I'm correcting you. Yeah. But then yeah. the worst is when they just say it back to you with the like <laughs> terrible pronunciation again, like, and it almost to me, it feels sometimes like defiance. So mm. I was like, no, this is how I say it. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. Oh. I give up. Yeah. Tyree Plains. Tyree Plains. <laughs> I, I grew up with, on the Tyree Plains. I lived in Orake uh, for a while, and Oraki. I yeah, I actually didn't <laughs> realise that Oraki and Orake were the same place. Yeah, I yeah. thought Oraki was a whole other suburb somewhere yeah. else. I didn't and know Kiratahi was, like, was Karioitahi. I did not know. <laughs> I would have thought, oh, is it Kiratahi? No, no. Some of these mispronunciations, eh? One of yeah. the big ones is um, Lake Canary. Have you guys heard of that one? <laughs> no. Carl. Lake what Canary. It? It's um, Kaniere. <laughs> oh, my God. But it almost, uh, Kate Waipono is like near okay. Hoki Tikaways, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tikawara is the one for me. Tikawara. Tikawara. <laughs> Tikawara. Anyway. Oh, my God. A Tikawara and Tikawara the same place. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> So brilliant, eh? Paraparam. Paraparaumu. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we're going, we could go in so many places with these. We could just go these. on a hikoi yeah. around Aotearoa doing this. <laughs> Shoot, that really blew my mind. Um, and one last uh, thing that we're going to talk about 
so we touched on it just before, but Te Wiki o Te Reo, um, I just think its existence is a, a really interesting thing because Mirian and I have sort of talked about this before. We're not 100% sure we understand who it's for, what it does. Um, what are your thoughts on sort of it existing versus it not existing and what does it actually do for, for our people? What does it do for Māori? Yeah. That's a big question, eh? <laughs> Just a light one to... Um, yeah, you got uh, two minutes. <clears throat> yeah, it's... I think Te Wiki o Te Reo Māori for me before I had my reo was very important. And I can't say who it's aimed at. Maybe it's aimed for everyone. Like maybe mm. it is aimed at everyone and... I think once you are on the receiving end of it, it's just what you do with it. Eh? It's how you participate, how you choose to engage. I choose to make the most of it because I think celebrating te reo Māori in every space is amazing and it works for my whānau. So I am very much about, you know, celebrating. And I think we get such small ways and spaces to actually celebrate being Māori and to celebrate our language in terms of the mainstream, like in terms of Aotearoa Whānui and what we're mostly surrounded by, anything for me that highlights and celebrates and elevates te reo Māori or, or anything to do with te ao Māori is a win. And, uh, and I think I can totally understand that for some people it pushes buttons and I think that is a conversation that we need to be having as well alongside the celebration is that for a lot of people it brings up a lot of trauma and um, a lot of mourning which I think is very important to talk about alongside I don't think we have to have um, I don't think the two have to uh, you know you don't have to have celebration and not mourning I think we know how to do both really well actually Mm. Um, and we just got to bring it in to the way that we're celebrating te wiki o te reo maori we just got to learn the same way mm. that we do tangihanga and we know how to laugh and cry in the same moment, um, we got to do that. we got to bring the way that we know how to live, really. Cheer. Thank mm. you. It's like there's this expectation that it should, you know, in the same way sometimes, I think, you know, Pākehā gets so upset about Waitangi Day, well, not just Pākehā, you know, non-Māori, mm. whatever. It's like why is there not, why, what's wrong with making space to air our grievances, air the things that we're unhappy with while celebrating? Like, yeah. it's like, mm. the, it's not an either or. I love that for Cardo. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Hey, Jordan, thank you so much for joining us for our very first podcast. I appreciate um, you guys having me. Thank you. That was mean. Um, I mean, you've, you've come once now. We're going to have to ask you back again at some point. Sorry. It's just how it works. Can't buy. <laughs> I feel like you've got a, a new idea for a video, even a series, like little, well, obviously COVID permitting, like little tour, little hiding around oh, the South. That was a great, yeah, <laughs> I just imagined it, eh? I just imagined going to those places. Paraparam. Start an Iraqi. Yeah. Akumahikia Koto, thank you so much, Jordan, for being our first guest on our podcast. You can go and find her on Instagram. It's Jordan with a Y. Give her a like. You're not going to regret it. Thank you to my co-hosts, Mariana and Te Kuru. A massive shout out to our producer, Te Aihe. Also, thanks to Te Aihe and Maka Pohatu for our awesome theme music. Uh, it's made me very unhappy about being in lockdown and not having sing-alongs in the garage with my mates. Massive shout out to Zoe Hall for our uh, artwork, for the near artwork 
Come and find us on Instagram so you can see her incredible work. We are Net Del Māori Podcast on Instagram. And check back in two weeks' time on your favourite podcast provider where we'll have a new episode for you. Until then, hey akua nei. Nair is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and brought to you by the Spin-Off Podcast Network. It was hosted and researched by Leonie Hayden with Takuru Jews and Mariana Johnson. Nair was produced by Teaihe Butler with senior production from Jane Yee and project management from Mark Kelleher. Kia ora e te iwi, Teaihe Butler here, podcast manager at the Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a spin-off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.